Hello, friends, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Today's special guest is Sheila Lowe. She is an author and expert handwriting examiner. Did you know that your handwriting reveals virtually everything about you? We dive into this and much more during this episode, and about halfway through, we do begin to analyze handwriting. So if you are just listening, this is a very visually driven episode, and I do recommend that you watch on either Spotify or YouTube. This episode is sponsored by FilmDirectingMerch.com. Head over there to get your film directing merch and more. Hi, Sheila. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for coming. Um, so really quick, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody listening and watching and tell us about what you do. Okay. Well, my name is Sheila Lowe, and um, I have been for more than 50 years a handwriting analyst and a forensic handwriting examiner. And those are two different things. They're different aspects of the same practice. And so for the first 20 years or so, I just worked in personality assessment. So looking at handwriting to determine what kind of person you are, what the way you think, the way you are with other people, your ego, sex drive, fears and defenses and stuff like that. Then after almost 20 years, I was contacted by an attorney who wanted me to testify in a case of possible forgery. So that was when I started in handwriting authentication. And uh, that was quite an experience because I told him, I don't do that. I do personality assessment. And he said, well, do you know handwriting? And I said, yes, I've been studying it for 20 years. And he said, okay, then I'll get you qualified. We're going to court tomorrow. So that was quite an experience. Um, but after that, I started studying that area of handwriting more. And these days, for the last 15, 20 years, that's been most of what I do. I still do the other, but my focus has been on handwriting authentication. So if you have a case where somebody's forged your name or somebody's claiming that something that you know is authentic and they're saying it isn't, I'm the kind of person that you would come to. And then the other thing is that uh, I write books. Yes. Yes. And we will definitely get into that too, because you have, I think you just said like 15 or 17, 17 books. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, a combination of um, fiction and nonfiction. Correct. Yes. 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 Six fiction and 11 nonfiction. Yes. I mean, the other way around. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) six nonfiction, 11 fiction. Dang. Well, still, that's pretty impressive. Um, and how long have you been writing the the books also? The first book I wrote was The Complete Idiot's Guide to Handwriting Analysis, and that was published in 2000. And But I always wanted to write a mystery. I had started a mystery before that, then I had that opportunity. And then a year after that, I was contacted by a publisher who wanted me to write Handwriting of the Famous and Infamous. And that was 75 famous and infamous people throughout history. They oh, sent wow. me their handwritings and they said, and we need it in a month. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was probably a lot of overnights and <laughs> late nights <laughs> well, of analyzing. You know, I, what they wanted me to do was like a thumbnail sketch of their, um, of, you know, what their personality was from their handwriting. 
Sure. And so it, it wasn't too onerous and a, and a couple of other things, but that was not as hard as the idiot's guide. They, they have a very specific format for, you know, there's like a thousand books in that series. Yeah. The complete yeah. idiot's guide. The whole, not to um, be confused with the dummies. I was about to confuse it with the dummy. <laughs> Everybody does. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was literally about to. Um, Those are two different series, different publishers. Yeah, okay. So I've been watching a lot of your clips on YouTube. I'm just really getting to know you. <laughs> and also, I mean, this whole subject just fascinates me. And yeah, um, you got into this because of your um, mother or ex-mother-in-law, correct? Can we tell? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You were about seventeen at the time. Yes, I was a high high school senior, and I was going out with um, this guy. And his mother had read a book about handwriting analysis, and she analyzed mine. And I was just blown away by what she wrote. I still have it here on my computer. The two pages of stuff she wrote about me, and like, oh my god, somebody really knows me. And. Yeah. Um, now, did you feel like it was calling you out in a way? Like, did you feel called out or did you feel like, wow, this is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, but specifically feeling that, but I think I must have, because from that moment on, I got every book I could lay my hands on, you know, at the yeah. library. And then uh, one day I was in a checkout stand in a, a supermarket or drugstore and they had a little rack of mini books by Dell. And one of them said, handwriting analysis. Oh, wow. So I grabbed that. And uh, I used to take that with me to parties. You know, I, I, I'm a hermit. I was a shy kid, but I'd go to these parties and I'd sit on the couch where I didn't have to talk to anybody, you know, normally. They would just come over to me for a handwriting analysis. So I go wow. through my little book and see what it said. But how cool though, because I mean, in I mean, you're in high school at that age, right? So I remember being in high school, I was really into magic tricks at that time, like sleight of hand, card tricks. And I remember I was, I mean, the same way I was reclusive, didn't really go to parties or get invited to parties, I should say. <laughs> but um, that was kind of just a way to to interact with people or get, you know, some sort of, yeah. Or I mean, an interest that you had that piqued other people's interest also. And so I can kind of, I understand how that kind of reinforced this you know, career path for you. And yeah. it seems like the universe kind of picked it out for you too, with laying all these, you know, yeah. stepping stones in front of you also. I still have that little booklet on my shelf. Wow. <clears throat> I don't oh, look awesome. at it anymore, of course, but yeah. um, I learned a better way of analyzing <clears throat> than what I was doing with that book, but it was a good start. Well, that's interesting to actually ask, how has analyzing handwriting changed over the years? Just, yeah, from... <clears throat> well, the first 10 years, I was just studying on my own, mm -hmm. and I was reading all these books and learning stuff, but they would say, um, you know, something about a long lower zone, and what did that mean, or a big middle zone, what did that mean? And I'd say, well, what is what is a long lower zone? How do you know it's long or short or, you know, whatever? And they weren't really telling me. And what is rhythm? That I don't understand, but it seems to be really important things like that. I wasn't really getting everything that I needed. But at the end of about 10 years, <clears throat> I read a book that had in the back some resources. And it led me to Charlie Cole, who had a, a course called Handwriting Analysis Workshop Unlimited. 
and he gave courses, what we now call distance learning, which we called correspondence courses. And so I took one of his courses. I took more than one in 1977. And um, I, I joined the American Handwriting Analysis Foundation, which is a nonprofit that he started. And I just completed 10 years as president of it after all these years. But I went to the meetings. They had chapter meetings in Orange County where I lived at the time. And there I learned about a man named Felix Klein. And he gave seminars. And he taught, I mean, (laughs) learning what is called the Gestalt method. It really like opened my eyes to what I was missing. Wow. Well, that's yeah. uh, as you say that too. I mean, it makes sense because I've, I mean, quickly learned the Gestalt method by watching your hour long video, right? Or your 40 minute yeah. long. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I was in, I was introduced to it. And so now I can somewhat look at handwriting and see the indicators, mm-hmm. but I don't, it's again, it's the Gestalt. You have to look at the whole picture to get the message of what the indicators mean entirely not individually and so i'm able to see the indicators i'm like oh that definitely means something <laughs> it's like Everything useless and something. something exactly yeah <laughs> but My only in the is- context of that handwriting it exactly. can with the gestalt method a meaning can change according to what else is around it interesting what are indicators in handwriting that are that show person or yeah what are the indicators in handwriting that show a person's personality trait? Well, let me first differentiate. There's two main methods of handwriting analysis. As I've said, I use the Gestalt method, which is a European, started in Germany. And that looks at handwriting like like you look at art. You look at the spatial arrangement, which is how it's laid out on the page, the space between the letters, the words, the lines, the margins, and that all means something. And then there's the uh, the form, which is letter design, the way the letters look, the style that you choose. And then the really complex stuff is the movement, which includes rhythm, uh, speed, pressure, and a bunch of other stuff. So you, it's like looking at handwriting through a telescope. You're seeing the big picture. The other method comes at it from the opposite direction which is okay if you're really left-brained and you want to go step-by-step-by-step. It's like looking at handwriting through a microscope. And if you've ever looked in a microscope, you have a very small field of vision. You can only see a little bit at a time. And so that is called the trait stroke method. And what it does is the, the founders of that school, which is called the International Graphoanalysis Society, Milton Bunker started that school, and they assign a personality trait name to each kind of stroke. So you have a resentment stroke, like a straight stroke on the beginning of a letter, and that means, you know, resentment. Okay, but what is, who cares? What does that mean, resentment stroke by itself? Interesting. Or, you know, any of the other things What you end up with in that method, if you don't really get a rounded idea, is um, a laundry list of traits, which may be useful to some degree, but if they have no context, what does it mean? 
With the Gestalt method, you learn to see the core personality at a glance. So I don't know if that answered the question or not. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, many questions stem from this one too. So you're being able to see it at a glance. So how quickly, similar to like one of the questions I had for you is in person, you're able to usually get a vibe off somebody almost instantaneously in person when you see them. How is that with the writing? Are you, at least with your experience, are you able to get someone's vibe or an indication of that person, um, you know, kind of almost instantaneously from their handwriting? Yes. Although it may take me a little while to actually verbalize and express it. You know, the, there's a ruling in the United States Supreme Court that says handwriting is like, um, it's it's a behavior that's kind of akin to your facial expression, your tone of voice, and your body language. Mm. The, the case that that had to do with was about whether um, handwriting should be considered a private thing. But they said handwriting is behavior in public, like these other manifestations. Yeah. And I know one of those things that you said on your YouTube channel, which I keep wanting to plug, everybody go subscribe, <laughs> please. You. Um, you talked about someone's handwriting being a frozen picture of their personality. Yes. Yeah. That really I mean, stuck with me. It's true. And one of the, what I learned in Charlie Cole's original course was to chart something called the psychogram. And a psychogram is a profile in a circle. So big circle and a bunch of spokes, 40 different spokes, and they're separated into eight syndromes. So the top one is, um, I haven't done it in a long time, but organization. And then there's ego and um, social skills, and you know, all around the circle. One thing about the psychogram, besides all that other stuff, the top half is the conscious and the bottom half of the circle is the subconscious, the unconscious. And on the left side of it is things in the past. And on the right side are things in the future because everything in handwriting is symbolic. Yes. So in the same way, the margin, the right margin represents the future and father and stuff like that. Interesting. And, and father is, also. Yeah, yeah. The left is mother and the past. Because we come from mother, right? And we go out, oh. traditionally anyway, towards the father's world. Interesting. Yeah. It is It is very symbolic when you, when I saw some or seen some videos of you analyzing handwriting. And it makes sense when you pointed out, like, for example, someone finishing their name and it has a long stroke and they have uh, spaces between the words. That's somebody who likes to be alone and they push people away. It's like, oh, of course, <laughs> like it's spelled out in front of you in a way, yeah. you know? And yeah, so but you, really... want, you want that line to be going forward. I mean, you don't really want that at all. But if the line comes back and goes through the signature, mm. that can be a sign of someone who's thinking about killing themselves. Wow. It's like, because your name is symbolic of who you are. Sure. And so it's like crossing yourself out. Yeah. Or so, even just self-destructive in a way, right? When yeah. someone's handwriting is all over the front or all over itself. Or when it's spaced too close together, that's somebody who has boundary issues. Yeah. You know, it of course be. that's, yeah, that's of course looking at the specific indicators, not the gestalt. We're generalizing. Yes. Yes. Very true. Um, so what are going deeper into specific indicators in someone's writing? Um, 
what are some of those indicators that show person's personality? So not just the pushing away, but what about like the specific loops on, you know, the I of the personal pronouns or any of those? I know that that's very giving away, like when, and like not to put my mom's stuff out there, but when I looked at, when I, you know, watched a few more videos and then I looked at her handwriting and it's all the way that she wrote I, it is left, or I don't know what the camera's leaning, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I know it's left leaning and then it curves outward. And so I'm like, oh, wow, something with holding on to the past in a way. Mm, and so kind wow. of when I look at that, kind of it's like, oh, wow, there is something there. Um, I'll have to go back and look at it because I can't picture it right now. Well, but it is one of those general, you. But in general, people who's call it the PPI, the personal pronoun I. So a capital I, but that's not one like I went, uh, well, yes, I went to the store would be a good example of a PPI, but not Indiana. Sure, exactly. Or, you know, some other word. Yeah. So a PPI that leans to the left may indicate sexual or religious guilt. Interesting. If, for one thing. And sure. you have to also look at how far away it is. Is it extra far away from the next word? Mm-hmm. How tall is it? How wide is it? What shape is it? A PPI with uh, angles? There's a lot of hostility towards, you know, if it's in the top, it would be towards women, probably mother. And on the bottom, men and father, men, authority figure, men. Hmm. So there's lots of stuff to look at. There's one even that I want to ask you about too, that a friend of mine listening it really wants me to ask you about. And that is writing in all capital letters. <laughs> I know that this friend does it. I know my brother does it also. He writes in all capital letters. And so it, does that I mean, it means something, I'm sure, but... Yeah, a lot of people do. We call that block capitals. A lot of people write in all block capitals. And um, it's harder to get underneath it and see the person. It's like, it makes, you know, the vision I get right now is of castle walls. Oh, wow. You know, going around, around the castle, the protection. But it's also a very strong form the way your friend wrote. I mean, not not all block writing is that defended and strong. Mm-hmm. So it's it depends on all the other things around it, but it can also be somebody who's very self-centered, who the world revolves around them. And um, you know, it it just it depends on sure. all like the factors. You have to look at all the context. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you'll just get that laundry list of traits that we exactly. don't want. Yeah. Because it just then you're looking at not I'm not not to bash horoscopes, but you're you then you're looking <laughs> at things that could apply to yes. basically everybody. Like yeah. a daily. Yeah. 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 You know, I've taught a lot of people. I have a, I have a course that I started teaching at my of my own. I, I've taught other people's courses, but I put my own Gestalt Gestalt course out 15 or so years ago, and. The many people who started out with the trait stroke stroke training Mm -hmm. and then learn that invariably say, wow, I'm seeing handwriting in a whole new way. Now I finally understand it the way that I did too. Yeah. And I mean, like I've been sharing the clips of yours and introducing new and people, you know, new people to what you do. It's, you know that introduction is like magical to people because they're like, that's yes. possible, you know? And there's a whole correction of like, Oh my God, what am I giving away? I <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Well, anybody's welcome to watch that one hour 
spaceform movement video. I have it posted it's on my website, and I think it, it must be on the YouTube. But I'll yeah, link it, I'll, I'll link it below also. It. Yeah, Thank I'll you. link it below also because um, yeah, that one is one of my favorites, and I learned a lot from that Good. one. Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, upon a, a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, oh, well, I haven't even given a shout out to some of my good friends, Sherman and Dedaloo. They are who I uh, learned about you from. Um, And so shout out to them. And I know that you um, analyzed Dedaloo's wife, Emily, (laughs) her handwriting, and you were able to um, tell that she had a knee injury in just from her handwriting. Now, how is that even possible? Well, you know, it's it's interesting that handwriting does reveal a lot of physical stuff, physiological artifacts in the handwriting. And if you, t- well, it's kind of hard to explain it without showing it. But if sure. you take the uh, cursive letter F, it goes up and then it comes down and then it comes back up. So see, yeah. if you look at that F, that uh, the cursive F in particular, Think of it as a model of the human body. So the top of the F is the top of the head and the bottom is the feet. And you could see the, uh, you know, the, the locations of various organs. I am not a doctor. I cannot diagnose illness, but I can point to different things like, um, and I have a whole talk that I got to send it to you, <laughs> my oh, lecture on, uh, on health and handwriting. Um wow. Yeah, sometimes there will be a little dot on the line, and that can indicate, you know, something going on, or a um, like in the middle zone, say in the E's, and vowel, think of the vowel letter areas. Sure. There might be uh, like a little light spot consistently in the incline, because you want to make sure it's not just the, a bad pen, sure. but it could be something going on in the stomach area. Wow. And I will, um, I'm sure you saw the videos about my daughter. Yes. And in 2000, well, in 1999, she was 26 at the time. And she met a man who was um, in law enforcement, what is now called Homeland Security. It was the INS at that time. And he wanted me to look at his handwriting, which I did. And um, it was very alarming because there were big red flags and there were some of them were physical. Not all of them, because some were just that he was an authoritarian controlling personality, which was never going to work with my daughter, Jennifer. But in the tops of the top loops, like in the tops of the L's, they had a particular kind of a, well, we call it a flame-shaped loop. And then there was other things like that. And so I said to him, have you had a blow to the head? And he said, yes, on the job, I was hit in the head so hard, I was almost blinded. And he had terrible headaches he was being treated for. Plus he drank and she did too. And within a year, he had killed her and himself. So I couldn't look at that handwriting and say, you know, he's had a head injury, so he's going to kill her. But all I could do is point out the problem areas. And they were both adults. Exactly. That's that's the one thing that I know. You can't predict the future, obviously, but you could just point out behaviors and patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just, yeah. And I know um, 
Yeah. I mean, that's just such an emotional story. And I can only imagine, like, I know that um, she called you right before or something. Yeah. The night before she called. Yeah. You know, I'm actually writing my memoir right now about my spiritual journey from that, what that happening and what I've learned about life after earth. Mm -hmm. And I was just writing about that, how she called me, we, my husband at the time and I were out to dinner and she called me and just, she was fine. And she said, would you send an email to my professor at Saddleback? Like, okay, fine. But you know what? I'm out to dinner right now. Can we talk about this tomorrow? And she said, yeah, sure, fine. And the next morning I received this call from somebody. I didn't hear what he said, but um, then he said, he when he, I identified myself and he said, do you know Jennifer Lowe? And I said, yes, she's my daughter. Why? And he said, I'm sorry to tell you, your daughter has been murdered. It's like, what? how do you tell somebody in that casual manner? But there's no good way to say it. Yeah. It was horrible to be made aware of that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, geez. And I, so again with the red flags and i know you pointed some of them out or or you pointed out the one that you could you knew that there was a head injury um but were there again like you know being able to get a vibe off a person immediately when you saw you know his handwriting the first time was it just like oh yeah (laughs) yeah i wrote on a post-it that's still on that sample potential for explosive behavior yeah so, but you know, handwriting is not a crystal ball. Yeah. It it's the truth, but it's not the whole truth. You can't make predictions based on the handwriting. Yeah. Handwriting analysis is a, a science, it's based on scientific principles. It has to be replicable and you know, validated. But then the interpretation of what you see is an art. You need both. Yeah. So you know, after you, I, I could tell her and I told her that this was not a good idea, but she'd never listened to me before. Yeah. So she didn't listen then, but she has come through many, many times since then. I was going to say, yeah, the signs yes. that you started receiving afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Saying she's saying that she's sorry she didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you still have uh, that rock that has the face on it? Yeah. You want to see it? Yeah. I would love it. Yeah. It's right here. Yeah, how cool. Right behind me. That was a pretty cool story, too. <laughs> yes. Right there. Wow. Can you see him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Smile. Yeah, the pe- all the people who say, oh, that looks like Donald Trump. No, it doesn't. I don't think it does. It doesn't. There's actually some other faces in here, but not nearly as clear as that one. And you know, it's so funny because... At any angle that you hold that up, it's the face is visible. And you said you never saw it until you've you've moved it to one location. It was sitting, this rock was sitting in a basket with a bunch of um, rose quartz rocks. And a friend who is a rock hound had given me this whole basket full of rocks 10 years before. And I would take, you know, I, I took out some of the rose quartz and I put them around the house. I never bothered to even look at this. And one day, for no good reason, I picked it up and moved it to another, to a shelf, a low shelf. And I was getting ready to go away um, to a a mediumship 
Psychic Phenomena Afterlife Symposium in Scottsdale. And I was standing by the door thinking about my trip. And I looked down and I just went, oh, my God, where did that come from? And I'm thinking, you know, spirit guide, what? It was just, I couldn't believe it was there and I had never seen it. It was that story and also the sign that you got, the literal sign. Do you remember that one? That one's right here too. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I did my research and look at that. It's all off camera and I could still know it's there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this one, my daughter loved mermaids apparently because when I went to her house, when I had to close up her house, there were a bunch of little mermaid statuettes and a poster with a mermaid, which is in my living room now. And she had a lamp. And so mermaid stuff was important. So this is several years ago. I asked her, you know, in the in the beginning, I saw I had a lot of signs that she was around. And then well, she's probably busy. I hear she's working with children who came over on the other side in traumatic ways. Oh, wow. So I, I asked her, are you still around? Can you send me a sign? Let me know if you're still here. And I didn't really expect anything. So I just forgot about it. About two nights later, I was going to a meeting I in a women's networking group, Ventura County professional women's uh, group network. And, um, at the back of the room, we have tables where members can put their stuff, you know, for display and other people could come and look at it. And I went and I put some of my books back there and we have this new member. And I'm trying to remember her name and I can't right now, but she had, she had made some little wooden signs of different things. And my friend bought one, had bought one from her before. And uh, it says, meet the author. And so I looked and I saw this sign mermaid crossing and i said oh i have to get that because you know jennifer loved mermaids so i gave her 15 bucks and i took the sign home and as i got home i said that's my sign it's an actual (laughs) sign and then not only because mermaid but mermaid crossing and she had crossed over wow so i was so excited i sent an email to the painter the one who made the sign and she emailed me back right away and she said um I have chills right now. I was sitting in the driveway in my car, getting ready to go to the meeting. And I remembered that I wanted to wear some earrings that I had made, you know, so I could show them off. And I went back in the house to get them. And as I was leaving, I passed my work table and I decided to take this sign with me. Wow. So I don't think that was a coincidence. Me neither. I love synchronicities and how the universe works like that i absolutely love it um so or even talking about spirituality i know the um the skull experiment so i was kind of looking into that a little bit which i don't know if you can give a rundown of what the skull experiment is i know it's like the most um scientifically driven study of proof after life proof of yeah yeah they were studied by a lot of people robin foy whose house they were meeting at recently just passed away himself So I'm sure we're going to hear from him. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, hey, um, real party begins now. Yeah, they. it was a small group of people who were interested in developing mediumship and learning about the other side. And they met in, I think it was in the basement of his house in England. And they met for five years before anything happened. 
And then he started getting all kinds of manifestations. And one of them was, uh, and I, you forgive me because it's been a while, but um, there was a film strip. Yes. And it was a film. The strip film Thomas yeah, Edison. Go ahead. <laughs> it was Thomas Edison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the film, the film was sealed. Yes. And there yeah, was nothing important. on it. And when they opened it, it had a signature that had some stuff on it from Thomas Edison. And I was asked by someone a couple of years ago to identify whether it was his actual writing. And yes, wow. it was. Yeah. Because I know, I know that's something that you said, handwriting, your signature is never exactly the same. Right. There's always a degree of, of, of imperfection, I guess. Right. Because humans aren't perfect. Well, because, Everybody has a range of variation in the way that they write. Some people write their their signature I'm talking about. There, some people write very similarly over a long period of time. I had a case where I had ha- signatures from this guy when he was 16 to when he was 86. Wow. And they were very, very similar the whole time. He never grew. He just was yeah. always the same guy. Interesting. Somebody else might have five or six different ways of signing their name which is, that's a little, that's the other extreme. So as a handwriting examiner, what I have to do is to look at enough signatures to determine what that person's range of variation is, and then look at a question signature like Edison and see whether it fits within that range. Yeah. And this one definitely did. Even in just, just when you look at the Gestalt method, the space, the movement, the form, it looked like even if me just tracing my my finger around it, it was like, oh yeah, that's the exact you know motion of it. That's the um, movement. Well, yeah. also, along with that, if you see two identical signatures, a hundred percent identical, one of them is going to be fake. Yeah, interesting. Well, even that leads me to an interesting question: Has there ever been a handwriting? analyst gone rogue <laughs> like someone who know. is like experienced in this that has like tried to cheat the system but you guys were able to like call them out or something you know is that, in that sense you know in in a couple yeah, of that's my- an idea for claudia rose right there <laughs> oh, no, if you read the second book in this series which is called written in blood there is a courtroom scene that a lot of it is taken from an actual transcript of a, of there there's a couple of charlatans who pass themselves off at least a couple but i'm thinking of a couple who pass themselves off as experts and they've studied in the field but they don't behave like experts sure and something really you know the thing about writing mysteries i like to say i've been in the field of handwriting for over 50 years and i'm ready to kill someone <laughs> So, but I don't really? want to go to jail. So I do it on paper. Yeah. So, you know, my kids got me a mug and it says, don't annoy the writer. She may kill you in a book. Right. That's what I did. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. What a great <laughs> way to just get stuff out. Right. <laughs> Same as like a musician, right. Whenever like Taylor Swift, right. Making a song about a breakup or something. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know what? I, I have had several times uh, different media outlets ask me to analyze Prince Harry and Meghan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I just got through reading his biography, his autobiography, which was really good. But in it, he said, you know, all these people analyzing her handwriting and what are they saying? They don't know anything about her. 
And, and I, you know, it made me feel kind of bad, but I, I didn't say, I haven't said anything bad about negative about either of them because I don't do that, but it just made me realize when you're talking about a public figure, they're, they're human too. And they may hear what you said. So you always have to be really careful. That is true. So even uh, one thing curious, um, we talked about it a little bit off air. Um, graphotherapy is that what it's called okay graphotherapy so that is um explain what that is yeah a little bit graphotherapy is a way of helping to change personality traits that you don't like it doesn't mean that it's going to make you into somebody that you're not but it can help you bring out things that otherwise uh you may have trouble dealing with like um in in written in blood there's a there's a 14 year old girl who has a lot of emotional problems and so my character claudia rose shows her these graphotherapy exercises you do them to music and interesting and to music yeah they're that you don't change your handwriting because you write the way you do for a reason and if you go changing things without knowing what you're doing you can really screw things up emotionally yeah so this is a case of doing certain exercises like um well they're called form drawings and a very simple one would be like making a large row of e's wide open e's not just one row like a whole page full and you're doing it to music when you're relaxed do it 10 minutes in the morning and then different exercises at night and over time it can help change things and you also do affirmations you write you know whatever i am i am happy uh, and grateful that i am making more money than i ever dreamed of writing books yeah whatever and it's and it's it is clinically proven that you can make physical changes to the brain by the cognition and the, you know the music the exercises all working together well, it's interesting. It. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you can, it's incorporating multiple senses into one. Yes, basically, exactly. you're not just, you're not meditating in silence. You're not just meditating to music. You're meditating, listening to music, saying affirmations while also doing something yes. with your hands. And it's, it's, I'm definitely, definitely there's a connection there that makes it more concrete in the brain. And all. Yeah. Well, the, the current research shows that um, people, kids, and other people, but kids specifically, if they write the the act of writing with the pen or pencil on the paper, lights up different areas of the brain than if they're typing or printing. If they're cursive writing, it lights up more complex areas of the brain. Interesting. And that's why you're a huge proponent of keeping cursive and in, in, in schools. Absolutely. Yeah. And happily... 26 states now require cursive training. Okay. I don't know. They require it. I don't know if they're enforcing it, but sure. I would like them to. Yeah. I mean, it was even really uncomfortable for me to write my cursive section <laughs> of the letter just because it's it's been so long, you know, and I really didn't even know how <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Um, so a question that I really wanted to ask you at the beginning that I'm just asking you now, when does our handwriting show our or start to show our personalities like say when do we evolve from tracing shapes in class and i know it's through simplification right it's for it's through simplifying the process of instead of copying shapes 
we as an individual start to simplify our writing and that's when our personalities start to come through, right? Or um, That is true, but it's not maybe the whole picture. Sure. Even um, little kids' scribbles can show a lot about them. Oh, wow. I have a three-year-old granddaughter and, you know, I'm watching and she's not here. She lives in Germany, but I get to see her on, you know, on videos doing these things. And even that wow. can show yeah. uh, traits but to be able to analyze their handwriting i usually say to at least 10 because they start to individualize more when they with the writing process first you have to learn to write the individual letters so you're writing in letter impulse then you learn to string them together and you write in word impulse and then you start writing in sentence impulse whole sentences and when you can do that without having to stop and think about exactly what you're doing, we say that you've reached graphic maturity and you start individualizing. So, um, yeah, that's no, fascinating. And I oh, know, I know what I was going to say. I'm sorry. That nine or 10 or so, but, but if I'm doing, I don't, you, I think you should specialize in children if you're going to do that, which I don't. But sure. when I when I comment on children's writing, I also want to see family drawings. I was going to say that drawings. Yes. Like we'll say, have them. This is the only instruction. Have them draw a picture of the family doing something. Interesting. So very specific see, with the family. Yeah, but but don't tell them who to, you want to see who they include. Gotcha. What what position they put them in. Gotcha. You can also draw, you know, there's the house tree person drawings. Yeah. Sun which in the I'm not trained in, but but you can still yeah. get a lot of stuff using the same principles as handwriting analysis. Is it more complex or simple when they're children? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think I mean, you have to have yeah. more than just that. You need a, a whole constellation of, of things exactly. to make yeah. a judgment. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, I used to do some, there, there was a class um, when my daughter was in middle school and her teacher got interested and, and it was a, it was a class for troubled kids, which she was one. And um, the teacher showed me all the kids handwritings and I could pick out the ones that were possibly suicidal, that were being abused at home, that were really troubled. And they were like 13, 14 yeah, it's amazing the kind of impact that trauma has in your handwriting. Yeah. It's it's, it's mind-blowing. Someone asked Jennifer, hi Jennifer if you're listening. <laughs> she asked um well she made the observation that her signature or I guess her handwriting changes when she's at work versus when she's in personal life. And mm -hmm. so does her handwriting kind of unconsciously change during those situations? Hey. Yes, handwriting changes with mood and sometimes with situations, depending on the person. Some Again, some people are highly consistent in the way they write. Other people have more different styles, but there are thousands of variables. And so the basic personality is still going to be there, unless maybe you're a multiple personality. That, that's a different story. And leading but, into that, yeah, yeah. Trudy, Trudy Chase. But for Jennifer, I mean, I don't yeah. know what kind of work she does. or like. Um, she police works at the DMV. Any, oh, okay. Well, people who are in those kinds of jobs or the police or engineers, 
they have to write very precisely and usually they have to print. Maybe they still do that at home, but I hope they don't sure. because, you know, it'll, it's more emotionally expressive if you handwrite without printing. Yeah. Okay. And so is there that I'm, I'm sure that's healthy, right? To have some sort of, it's like work life, home life. It's kind of a yeah. separation of the two. Yeah. Well, the things that change the most with mood are the size and the slant. If you're excited or mad, your writing tends to get bigger and slant more to the right. And if it wouldn't even the pressure on the page doesn't get any. If you're angry, the pressure is likely to get heavier. But you know, like Tom Schnabel, the the guy who killed my daughter, his pressure was so light you could hardly see it on the page. And that is the same kind of anger that you see in a very heavy, extremely heavy. So it looks like Braille on the other side, Wow! but it's turned inward and then it builds up and up and eventually it explodes outward as it did, you know, yeah. tragically for us. Yeah. Mm. But that, that, yeah. When you point it out like that, it really makes sense when you point out the context behind it also, but what, you know, those indicators mean, it's like, Oh, of course. Like when you look at it, <laughs> Um, and so you mentioned, yeah, multiple personalities, and I know it's called disassociative mm-hmm. personality disorder now. Yeah. Um, Trudy Chase, um, let's dive into her a little bit. So she had between 90 and 120 or so, 110 or so. A lot. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Even that much is like, whoa, uh, yeah. different personalities. Mm-hmm. And it blew me away when you showed that single notepad and it looked like, you know, 20 different people wrote on it. Mm-hmm. Um, in different sections. And then you were like, no, this is all written by the same person with multiple person or with um, just associative personality disorder. DID. And yeah. And like, <laughs> whoa. And it makes sense in the, in the sense of <laughs> that your reality dictates your handwriting. So having different realities, they're going to have different uh, writing. And um, yeah, I really wanted to ask in that moment, <laughs> like, and of course, you can't really dive into it now without seeing it in front of you. But what are the indicators that that was even the same person, you know, or what would you look for? Yeah, the thing about that, um, let's just call it multiple because that's easier. It's easier, yeah. Or we can say DID. But um, it has to be because I've had cases of that in my uh, document examination practice. I say, is this person really dissociative identity disorder or are they just malingering? Sure. And I can think of one case where I can say, okay, this is not a separate personality. This is a different mood. It's still, it looks like the same writer. But sure. to, to be DID, they have to be a completely different personality. But there's always going to be some little things mm-hmm. that are similar. Maybe not from one to this one, but to this one, you know, sure. Sure. they may not, they may not be in the same place. I mean, I can only imagine how long it would take to discover the similarities, you know. It might, or it might not. In The Devil and Karen Kingston, it's a, an old book about a little girl that was supposedly demon-possessed, and they have some handwritings in it, you know. Oh, uh, there, yeah. there were more similarities in that. But with Trudy Chase, who decided in the end that she didn't want to integrate she wanted to continue living with all of those personalities. 
but they well, I were, know she referred was, to them as the troops, right? They're yeah, the troops. Protecting her. Yeah. Yeah. The book is called When Rabbit Howls. Oh, wow. That's a title. Dang. Um, so on top of that, not relating to Trudy, but um, I remember you, something you mentioned about maniac letters. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It makes you giggle. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, even in terms of, you know, the shapes of someone's lettering, you, you know, what was the, the maniac letters again? Were those the hooks? In it, or something? No, what, and, and calling them that it makes, uh, it's like, you can say, Oh, this guy is a maniac. This is the, because sure. the Zodiac killer is mm-hmm. one that has that feature in it. The Zodiac killer in his writing, the letter D in particular at the ends of words suddenly flops over. Like much, much further right slant than the rest of the words. And they called that the maniac D. Interesting. So, But that could be true on any letter. It doesn't have to be just that one. But it's anything that suddenly slants, maybe the whole word. Sure. It shows emotional content. Okay. And even, it doesn't words. have to be the, the last letter. It could be any letter within the word or yeah. anything. Yeah, could be in the middle of the word. Very fascinating stuff. One question that I had was, um, I know the answer, but analyzing in different languages, you are able to see these indicators no matter what language it is, right? Chinese, Mm -hmm. Japanese, Spanish. Yeah, those those pictographic languages, like the Asian languages, are a little harder. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I I have had clients from all over the world. I've got one right now that's in Norwegian. And some, you know, I've done in German and Italian and French. And, and again, it's all Russian. handwritten based on form, yeah. movement. And space. Yeah, and space. Wow. Yeah. If you're using those principles, you can analyze anything. If you're using a trait stroke, you have to know the language. Exactly. So the more holistic is, um, you know, applies to more things. Something that you said too, which fascinated me, was people's whose writing looks perfect don't feel good on the inside that's true wow yeah um now there's i and i would i'm not trying to call anybody out (laughs) but i know um there are people that i guess um at a certain point they make a conscious decision to have nicer looking handwriting yeah and so when they train themselves on that what is that saying about them it's like a distraction um, have you ever, have you ever had, I think you said you were interested in magic. Yeah. Card okay. tricks. Yeah. All right. that. Oh, have, <laughs> I was once at a cocktail party and there was a magician walking around and he was talking to me and I did not realize that he had taken my Movado watch off my hand that had a st- stiff clip on it because wow. he was busy misdirecting me. Exactly. And that's what persona writing which is perfect writing or very extremely stylized that's what it does it's saying look over here don't look inside me because i need to put on this mask this beautiful mask because i don't really feel good inside about who i am interesting and again that doesn't you can't pinpoint what it is that they don't feel good about it's just the overall Feeling well, you of. might. I mean, if they've been sexually abused in childhood, there are going to be signs of that, for sure. instance. And it's usually going to be 
something that started early in life. And yes, you can usually see those signs. Yeah, which is fascinating too, just to be able to know trauma lingers in our writing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. One thing that I definitely wanted to ask you about it, because you've been doing it for, or since you said since 67, have you noticed changes in generations throughout the years? And even <laughs> even one other question too was like an, the impact of say like 9-11 in students' mm-hmm. handwriting or even like the pandemic nowadays too with mm-hmm. you know kids being taken out of school. I'm sure that has had an impact on writing. I'm sure it has. I It's funny. I laugh because Tuesday, was it Wednesday? Yes. <laughs> what day are we? Okay. On Wednesday night, I gave a lecture about changes in handwriting with culture over the last 50 years. Oh, wow. So I guess I was anticipating your question. I, I was so. I was invited to give this lecture to a group in Italy last fall. And so I had, you know, had studied that a bit. And yeah, there is a big change there over the years. And, and because a lot of it, along with because of the cultural changes, there's that um, lack of handwriting training. And, you know, in the, like through the last 20 years, since Columbine era, era um, kids have to go to school with, with metal detectors and police on site. And the worry about, you know, is somebody going to come and shoot me? There's a lot of anxiety. And so that is displayed in their handwriting. And I, I haven't looked at pandemic writings, but I'm positive that's going to be have an effect too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. It only makes sense too with just, I mean, that was like a huge traumatic event that lasted, you know, kept kids out of school for years. So yeah, I'm absolutely sure. Something well, look at look at what about these kids in the Ukraine who are getting bombed all the time? How can you imagine how that would affect your psyche? Yeah. Jeez. And then by the way, you know, we have had this horrific earthquake in Turkey and Syria where there's no, you know, they no electricity. You need to know how to write. Writing is important. It's always going to be important to know how to communicate. Somebody in the hospital who's intubated and needs to say something, you know? And um, one thing that you, that reminds me of, it was astonishing too. It's that man that you, uh, I don't know if you personally saw his handwriting. I think you did, but he was the quadriplegic who had no, control neck down and he was able to write with the pen in his mouth and it yes. looks better than anybody's handwriting from wickstrom yes yeah he had very 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 exact handwriting and i can't it was one of those disabled writers they used to send around christmas cards for their group you know to raise funds and um i found his website bromwickstrom.com and contacted him and he was kind enough to send me some samples of when before his accident, when he was like 19, I think. And he sent me some of his writing from when he was 14. And uh, yeah, I mean, you could see that it's the same person. Yeah. Even though he, you know, comparing his writing before the accident, he broke his neck. He jumped off a bridge into what he thought was, you know, I mean, it was the water was shallow and he thought there was more water and he broke his neck and became a quadriplegic. Mm. He's my age and he's lived all that, all that time without being able to move. 
but with a pen in his mouth. He does amazing paintings with a paintbrush in his mouth. And he's not the only one. I've had several people who, who've learned to write, or sometimes they'll learn with a pen between their toes or under their arm, like this young woman who was born without arms, and she flies a plane, Jessica Cox. Wow. Yeah, and they can write with a pen in their mouth. Humans are amazing. <laughs> we are absolutely amazing. Um, one thing that I also wanted to ask you about was it's a classic trope in movies of like ransom notes or anything like that, where they would cut the letters out of a magazine and try mm -hmm. to, you know, form writing that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if they were aware that their handwriting would give them away or something, if that's why, you know, they chose mm -hmm. to do that. But are there ways, even in, typed writing to study the person and the personality traits? Sure. Semantics tell you a lot about somebody. Um, and, and I have an acquaintance who is um, very well known in that field. And I can't think of what it's called right now. There's a word for it, but, um, you know, it's the end of a day. Yes. Um, but yes, the way you say things, the way you express does tell a lot about you too. And as for ransom notes, when John Benet Ramsey case came up, um, the, somebody from the Denver Post sent me all of the samples, and um, I disagreed with some of my colleagues. And some of there's a, a colleague in Italy, Fausto Brunatelli, and we both agreed that you. I mean, there was so much wrong with that case. They they allowed them to do their writing exemplars in their own time and all kinds of things. But I just said that I don't see how they could rule out the father from what I saw. Wow. And I didn't see it as being the mother. I went down to, uh, you had mentioned Robert Ressler before we began taping. And um, he and I were both invited to go to the Rolanda show in New York where, to be on a panel to talk about this. And he had gone down there to the home and, um, you know, he had some strong opinions about who did it. But that that was a ransom note, three pages long, which is kind of unusual. You get all kinds of all kinds of cases. Yeah. I know you've studied or you've done work for like the O.J. Simpson case or the, the suicide note. Um, um, yeah, you did something for Anne Nicole Smith's uh, will. Right. Yeah, that was when I was doing work for a hard copy TV yeah. show a long yeah. time ago. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. OJ has this a very explosive D. It's printed, but he has that like on the ends. I, I so I started calling it the OJ D. <laughs> really? it, it didn't it didn't slant, but it got big at the end of a word. And when you have oh, a word that's going along, and then all of a sudden the end of it gets really big. It's like somebody who suddenly comes on strong when you least expect it. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not exactly a maniac letter, but it is, but it's the, yeah, good. But it's, some people could call it that. Sure. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I don't know if we, we have time, hopefully, right? I wanted to, because uh, I've been telling people this whole time that we analyze my handwriting on the show. So I would love to go over what you found in my handwriting. Um, and let's make it clear. I was just 
putting down Analyzing. a few things. I mean, it was not a full analysis. Exactly. Yeah. Very much what you just got through just by kind looking a at thumbnail the vibe. Sketch. Yeah. The vibe of it pretty much. Um, and I mean, I got to be honest <laughs> when you, you know, I was driving when I saw your email and I shouldn't be reading it, you know, an email when I, saw that, <laughs> no. but, <laughs> I was at a stoplight, but um, you know, the first thing that you said, and people are going to think I paid you to say this, <laughs> But you're like your your high degree of sensitivity and intelligence, and I was like intelligence, you know. Like for me, I don't know. Maybe emotionally intelligent. Um, but you got like a lot of things spot on, like um, fear of failure specifically, mm-hmm. um, just because you know pandemic didn't help, but also um, had health issues, and then you know continuing on, I'm just trying to get my feet off the ground and do something, you know, like I'm sure a lot of people are doing. And yeah, I'm curious at like what specifically, even like one thing that you pointed out, and maybe it's because of the drug of choice leaning down and I never stopped it maybe, but there is, you said, you know, your ability to get yourself through the dark times. Like, you know, even when you're going Mm -hmm. through something kind of dark, you kind of hold off and leave me alone. Let me wallow. Yeah. Which is, which I hate that I do that because I wished, you know, people with, you know, I wished I was more of like, you know, people help me support me, you know what I mean? Through this time of need. But in reality, I seclude myself, get myself through it. And then I come out. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as, as long as you just use it as a bandaid and not as a crutch. Sure. You know? That there comes so. a time when you have to say, okay, I'm done wallowing. I've, I, you know, it's, it is fine. Yeah. But just don't let it go on too long. For sure. And then you were able to see, um, I don't know if it's self-destructive tendencies, but um, the ability to, what was it? Not um, self-indulge. Yes. Mm-hmm. Self-indulging tendencies. So, I mean, I took that as, you know, I am a um, avid pot smoker and so i took it in in sense of you know things that i know or you know could improve on or you know lessen this focus more on this you know there's an awareness of that and still kind of you know enjoying things that i you know should let go (laughs) at least should there's you know yeah lots of shoulds there is lots of shoulds yeah Yeah, but you have to know what's right for you yeah and sometimes yeah go ahead no go ahead Well, just sometimes we do things like, for instance, um, I met a guy, I was 39 and I met this guy at, in a work situation and he asked me out for drinks and and I said, let me see your handwriting. And I I looked at it and it was, you know, it had a lot of good stuff, but there was something I told him, you tend to rush right into things, emotional things. Mm -hmm. And when it comes time to put your money where your mouth is, you're gone. Interesting. Well, I married him twice. (laughs) We spent 20 years breaking up. That's hilarious. Because, you know, for that reason, he he was there physically, but emotionally, he couldn't quite get over that commitment hump. Interesting. So, you know, I, I, what I'm saying is I see things. And I know that I shouldn't do them and I do them anyway. So sure. don't be too hard on yourself. It's all sure. a process. No, it's very true. Yeah. You literally had the signs in front of you and you still <laughs> went for it. And this is one thing too, that I should ask you. So I don't write having the paper vertical and then writing like this. I have mm-hmm. it sideways and write like that. 
Oh, I wonder if you were lefty when you were born. I'm not sure, but I, I do. Yeah. Have There's it. one way to find out. Oh, is there really? Yeah, kind of. Oh my God. I mean, it works. If you take a piece of paper like you have and turn it sideways and put a dot right in the center of it and then a dot equidistant, okay, then huh. you take put a pen or a pencil in both hands on that dot on each side and looking at the dot in the middle, make concentric circles and see which one turns out the best. Wow. And that could show, even if you've spent your whole life trained to use your right hand, if that left looks better than you were originally or left-handy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fascinating. That's amazing. I picked up so much trivia in my career. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love some more trivia. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you've got yeah. plenty of time to. I mean, I would love it. some. I would love some tri- trivia. Um, so, yeah, did you want to look at any specifics in the handwriting? Well, in my handwriting? Well, it's it's so hard to point out specifics because of using the Gestalt method. I just look at it, and the and what I notice is that it's very simplified, which is one of the signs of of a high intelligence. Um, you know, along with the fact that it's written quickly, and it's got a lot of movement in it. It's moving right across the page, but the movement across the page has um, a lot of ups and downs. The baseline is very wavy, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, when you're moving from left to right, as we do in English, we the opposite in Hebrew or Arabic, but we're moving from left to right. And so we're starting in the past and we're moving towards a goal. And the way we use the baseline, not aligned, that's why I say don't use lined paper. Exactly. That shows how steadily you move towards your goal and you don't want it to be like a ruler that's not good interesting so perfect too perfect is is a red flag we're not robots yeah even though ai may be trying trying to yeah trying to take over but not yet yeah but that's fascinating though because i mean i wonder if writing sideways because i'm not writing left to right i'm writing from Mm -hmm. down to up in that sense but I wonder if, yeah. I mean, my writing style means anything to that. But I mean, looking at it for myself, I do notice that the left margins are pretty much like right on line. They're straight. And, but, yeah. But they're also oh, I, moving slightly to the left. They're pulling back. Oh, they look, are. See how it's there. And we're just looking at the top of the yeah. printed one. Yeah. It's very slightly pulling back to the past. Interesting. That's, you know, that's the trepidation about what's coming up next. You know, am I going to be okay? Am I going to whatever? And then you have your, that line that you mentioned where that goes down drug of choice. Mm -hmm. That is, (laughs) that has to do with your planning ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. You could have wrapped that line around, but you did. Absolutely could have. I did want to, um, go over like a quick, like try to do an analysis of my own with okay. you. Well, I could point out the indicators, indicators of what I see, but of course I can't make a whole analysis yet. If you wanted oh, to gosh. help me do that. You had five minutes of study, you know, <laughs> come on. 40 minutes. Let's be, let's be generous. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm a practically a, a, ex, a expert at this point. Yeah. And it was hilarious because I did the, I did like a quick little analysis, like what I'm going to do with you right now to her. 
And she was like, you gave me a whole lot of nothing and something at the same time. Oh, okay. Well, so, so I'll we'll see. give her a refund if she's not happy. I'll give her a refund. Exactly. Um, so looking at her handwriting and I have it, I'll put mm-hmm. it on the screen also for those watching. Um, the writing in all caps. So looking at the gestalt, right? Looking at the whole picture right away at first without looking at anything particularly. I'm Do you saying want me to put it on caps. the screen? Are you able to? Yeah. I mean, if you want, sure. Yeah, I forgot that you're able to um to share your screen. Like that. Hopefully you're just seeing Perfect. that and not my whole desktop. Uh, I could see like emails and stuff, but that's okay. Uh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. So yes. So <laughs> Crystal, you're where you're on, you're on now. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so looking at it, um, you can see that it's all caps and leaning towards the right. Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean, obviously just pointing out the obvious there. Looking at specific indicators, I can see that the L or I guess personal pronoun of I, so right off the bat, very heavy leaning towards the left or right, sorry. Um, yeah, but look how small it is compared to the rest of the writing. That too. Oh, yes. It doesn't, it's shorter it's and doesn't connect to the bottom. It's shorter than this one. Very true. Which is, yeah, and that's supposed to, to be, you know, I mean, the same letter. Yeah. That's not is. a PPI. And yeah. it's far away from what she loves. Interesting. And so, again, you know, even though all the letters are capitalized, the L there has somewhat of an incomplete or lowercase quality to it, I suppose. Um, so it's being like a capital an L. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, I love to, sp- even the S there. So I, I thought that was a U at first, mm-hmm. but that's an S. And I was really like, oh, wow, that is a very heavy, because look at the S compared to is, and even in her name, Crystal, mm-hmm. compared to that one, spend. And that's like a very small hook on the right side and then a very large lower loop. Yep. And so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Look over here, down here, the hook. And I realized yeah, I, it's I not told her, her that way. too. She doesn't normally write like this, but yeah. Uh, I told her too. I was like, I see you hooking. <laughs> I see a lot of hooks. <laughs> well, you know, what are hooks for? What do you use um, hooks for? Holding on to things. Mm, Grabbing. Grabbing hold of. Yeah. So and we see in the it's in the middle zone area. So I mean, this isn't much writing to go on. Sure. But um, I mean, some of the things. Um, I mean, additionally that I would see are the. Um, I don't know if the capital A's mean anything. How it's connected to the end there instead of kind of a halfway. Well, bridge. Overall, I mean, it's it's a um, it's kind of a stylish writing, and I would expect her to spend time on her appearance, you know, making herself look good and this and her, her surroundings. Hmm. So that's one thing we could infer. And then, so looking at the cursive writing now, um, a lot of loops or first, a lot of hooks too, in the my and the I, um, but I see, you know, kind of very thin loops in the hello. For the L's and then larger it's called retracing, retracing because okay. you're going back over the same stroke and um, 
It can, I mean, this it's hard to say because she doesn't normally write like this, mm-hmm. but it can, when you have squeezed upper loops, it can be a sign of narrow-mindedness, not wanting to spread out. And, you know, like, I'm happy with what I know. Don't, don't confuse me with the facts. Sure. Okay. And then, again, the personal pronoun there, PPI of yeah, her like I there. It's, yeah, it's very open-looped. And then with the hook there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the mother area, assuming that she started down here. That's a, that's a good loop, but not so much on the bottom. So there there might be issues with father or father figures or men in authority. Really? Possibly. And then the two there, the two is a very open, or the T, I should say, is a very open loop but, with an yeah. incomplete Yeah, which the trait stroke people call that sensitivity, but that's a different kind of sensitivity than what I saw in your writing. Interesting. This is like sensitive to criticism. What was my sensitivity? It's an overall, um, uh, it's like good intuition and being able to pick up stuff. Sensitive to people's emotions, sensitive to situations, all kind of. Yeah, it's a completely different kind or this one is sensitive in terms of to criticism. To- yeah. It's like if, if um, especially about her work, Gotcha. That, that if she might take something amiss that somebody says, even if it wasn't intended that way. Okay. Um, and then the only things that I really, again, would see is like the lower loops on family mm-hmm. and good because the G and the F look very similar there, like almost the same word, but family and good. G or food, sorry. Food. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, family and food. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's we'll got the it. emphasis on the lower zone here and here on yes. F. And that says that she's more into doing more than planning. Doing this is more a short than upper, short upper loop. Short so, upper loop and more. So there's less planning and more doing. Interesting. Okay. Um and again, we're just going with a little bit of exactly. writing here. So yeah, barely anything. And so, I mean, besides that, I mean, those—that's really all I all stands out to me. Maybe the eat, the very it's be, a lot thinner loop. Do you find um, that sometimes she can be kind of critical? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, we're family friends. I don't think I know. <laughs> or that that well it's um, probably just because of the unfamiliarity of writing in cursive sure. yeah and but, again she trained herself to write prettier in that sense because she wrote differently and around she said in around middle school she trained herself to write that way well the there's gotta be, there's a reason and she needs to think about what was going on around her maybe at home during that time if that's when she adopted this um block printing because there is a need to create distance, emotional distance. And sometimes, a lot of times, that if it's not because of work, like for police or engineers and those kind of architects, um, it can be like a um, an army kid who is traveling around a lot and moving different schools all the time and stuff like that. And there's a need to create um, emotional distance so that they are not going to get hurt because you know they don't stay around long enough to make long-term connections stuff like that that makes sense because they um what i do know about them is that they moved a lot oh. they moved around a lot okay there you yeah. go yeah what does the the lower loop in that s stand for it's very low on that upper 
right here curve. no the other one oh. the the i love to spend time the block letter one oh that here one. Mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of interesting the way it does look like a u yeah. um, well it's a very deep cup and I, i'm kind of gonna extrapolate here sure that because of the need to um, suppress the emotions behind that that block printing the emotion there's still it's an emotional writing because of the right slant and so that's kind of symbolic of a place to stuff down the emotions a cup to hold them yeah very interesting because that is a unique kind of s you know especially in i mean she writes it differently in her name and um yeah just in that time when she says spend it's very different um The other one that we have is my mom's handwriting, right? If we can look at that one. So, of course, this is, I, I send you her handwriting and I have no idea, you know, I, I, of course, I've always noticed that her handwriting was very loopy. It was mm-hmm. very like weak and will like now or how my week will go. Like I, sometimes I would never be able to understand what oh. she was writing in that sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, and- the trade stroke people call that worry loops. <laughs> interesting really does she worry a lot i don't Uh, i don't use that stuff but that's what they said i'm not sure she could be she's maybe i think so she either she does a good job of you know controlling it or so Mm. um so the ones that stood out to me for this one after taking your classes right was the amount of loops wait a minute wait a minute you you took a one hour class and read some other stuff right you weren't taking classes from me like a you know oh sorry yes let's i mean it's important to say that this is something that you just started and you're doing great. barely started yeah oh am i doing great thank you but i mean barely 40 minutes of of one of your classes um and hopefully i'm pointing out some things that very good thank you i'm glad um so very heavy um, okay, so besides the loops and weak and will, I looked at the very um, the leading in on the ease with eating and exercise. Mm-hmm. They're very heavy in the front, coming down, and wow. then does the curve there. And the curves are very upper. They're upper loops again mm-hmm. with that one and with exercise. Um, and so, yeah, that symbolizes something definitely. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, well, it's like, it's like um, I have this one guy used to say all the time, you have to have your second cup of coffee before you get going. Oh, interesting. She has yeah. to prepare. It's not, it's not easy for her to just move into new things. She is very, time. she is very goal or, or, um, uh, yeah, goal oriented, writing things down and executing plans and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And so that would make sense. Yeah. Um, and then the PPI, her eye, it is left leaning, and then it has a very heavy curve down and yeah. like a loop or a, a U shape down to the left again. Yeah. And so again, you know, um, maybe again since it's in the lower quadrant, there father issues in the past holding her back. Yeah, it's feeling feeling sense of guilt. Okay, but it was I right too about father figure? Is that is or is that well, just both? The mother figure that? is missing as well. I'm looking at this one here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, and the father comes back and it's retraced. So there's a there's a lot of issues with both parents that are unresolved. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then what else? Oh, if you could scroll down a little bit, it was her middle name, I think. Yeah. And so her name's Robin Lynn Yeager. And even like that first one, I don't even I can't even I don't think that spells Robin. <laughs> no, I think it's doesn't it say love? Uh, I guess so. Oh, probably love. Yeah. And so I guess here love that's her, I guess, I guess that's what she puts as her name, Robin, Robin Yeager. And so that's how she identifies. That's interesting. Isn't it? That I just actually realized (laughs) when she views herself, that's probably got to say something viewing herself as just those four loops. Yeah. It's it's a way of hiding. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Even even, dang, look at that. Even just yeah okay don't look at me yeah don't look at me in a way yeah hiding yeah interesting yeah these tea bars like this that are dished sure it's like if if it was if it was straight and then you come and you lean on it you know holding a lot of weight push it down it's like talking somebody into um doing what they don't want to do or they you know really talking is about a, what they want to do is that an indicator because i do see it in thinking eating motivation is usually yeah the the teas even water you know it's kind of low. a fatalistic thing it's like you know okay I'll, I'll do whatever you want because i can't change it really that kind of attitude oh interesting i don't want to do it but you're forcing me into it okay fine i'll do it she has a lot of lead-ins like that too, like what they hear. There's a very mm-hmm. long lead-in to it. Yeah. So again, that's the the planning beforehand too. Yeah, kind of getting wound up okay. to get going. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then scroll down. Yeah, the name thing. Yeah, I was like, so love, and then she had yeah, her name is just a few loops, and then her last name there. Yeah. Today is also my husband's birthday, and I celebrate. So right there, the I is actually a little different, right? There's a cross at the top in that one. Yeah, well, that's a printed eye, but it's still retraced. And I would say the Mm. same thing. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when you print the eye, like with this, you need some support because it's got crossbars. But if you have like just a straight stroke, it's like making yourself number one and getting away from the stuff that you were taught and thinking for yourself. Okay. But here we have the crossbars. And so there's still some, there's an attempt to do that, but need of support. Hmm. So definitely a need of support. Okay. Definitely. And then, yeah. And then what are some other indicators that I haven't pointed out that you see? Well, you know, I don't know how personal you want to get. It's your mom. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm putting it out there, out there. Yeah. Um, oh. I mean, besides the things that I've kind of already pointed out to you. Well, it's a very, very rounded writing, which means there's a lot of emotion. And loops are containers for emotion. Uh-huh. So and it's, it's also highly regular writing. Yours is irregular. Hers is very regular. And so there's a lot of need for to feel like she's in control. Because in the past, 
she has not felt like she was in control. And so it's important to her now to feel that she is in charge of her own destiny. Yeah, that makes sense. Very interesting. Lots of hooks, little hooks in there. Lots of hooks, yeah. It's hard for her to let go of the emotions. Really? Even the loop and longer there too. The L there uh, comes way short. Yeah. Yeah. Even like that. Yeah. It starts more space and then it condenses as the word goes on. And so even actually noticing that too, this is a, uh, (laughs) I was going to say, this is a person. (laughs) It's my mom. Um, But the same thing, like you said, with over um, writing over the letters, there's this thing with boundaries, right? Almost. Mm. Or do you Uh, not see that? can be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was noticing the lower zone here, the the um, short, very short strokes, uh, even here, comparatively, comparing it to the middle zone height, it's very short. And when you go into the lower zone, you're going into the past and going back over your experiences. And so this is a cutting off. There's pain in the past. She doesn't want to look back there. She doesn't want to remember those experiences. Hmm. Yeah, there's an avoiding of the past. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's a a creative, um, like I said, emotional. And she wants to look happy. She wants to seem, you know, like she wants to, life is a party and she wants to enjoy it. Hmm. Yeah, sure. She does enjoy (laughs) She does enjoy parties. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, the other one that I sent you now, this is actually pretty interesting. So, um, in high school or even in middle school, oh. I never like, it's not even my name. It's not even anything. It's just, again, like symbol drawing, right. Just mm-hmm. in class, doodling your board, whatever. Right. Yeah. And I would do this over and over again, kind mm-hmm. of like it was like, I would tell myself that's my autograph or my signature or something. And I would do that. And it would always be this kind of like it spelled like john almost like it's just like this big j and then like scribbles over each other and then i and then i like swoosh off to the right but then there's that signature two dots that are the one above one below like for oh, balance yeah. who yeah. is john is there a no, john no in one. your life no no one but i mean i just i would just write this because it felt good and was, I was there somebody writing. you admired named no, john no, no nothing at all well it's, it was just it's, in high school it's going up into the upper zone, which is, uh, I would call a sign of ambition in this kind of a, it's, I mean, we're talking as a logo kind of signature. Sure. Um, the dots are equidistant as above, you know, so, so below. Yeah. Or is but, it the other way around? Well, it does make sense because when I was doing this, that's when, honestly, I was in the peak of like my f- creative freedom, you know, mm-hmm. not thinking about budgets, not thinking about you know, limitations in, in creating films or anything. I was always writing and, and imagining and putting that out there. Yeah. And so I wonder if that, you know, like you said, you know, that ambition shows for sure. Yeah. And it's moving to the, strongly to the right with, with good pressure. Mm-hmm. So moving ahead, moving into the future. Yeah. And it's a nice big loop here. So there's in, in the area of, I mean, imagination is in the upper zone, but it is also fantasy in the lower zone. So that's a, 
a very going far down and coming back and bringing your experiences up with you. Mm. So it's going every direction and you, you know, really using your energy. Um, Back in the nineties, I was approached by a little software company who wanted to have a, a handwriting analysis software. My first husband and I had made a software back in 1977, 78, but this was a much more sophisticated one. And um, so it's, you know, it's been used for the last 20 years around the world and people can do the analysis themselves. There's a, there's a personal version and then there's a bigger uh, employment type version. And um, I had to look at, thousands i had i made a spreadsheet thousands and thousands of lines and i guess what's so amazing is how you have to yeah that you see in the gestalt the macro the core personality of the person it's really the macro look and you can use the trait strokes to fill in on the micro there are astonishingly some things like for instance they used to say, if you make your, this is the trait stroke people, and this has worked for a lot of people. If you make your R with a loop on it, it means you like to sing in the shower. Wow. Like, That's okay. Different. Or yeah. if you make your loop in a parochial R, you're a snappy dresser. Yeah. And those kinds of traits, it's like, it's, it's kind of like learning the piano um, and you want to, you don't want to go through all the theory. You just want to learn it all at once. You want to be able to play. And so you learn a few chords and a few, you know, little, little melody. It's yeah. that kind of thing. If you want to just have fun with it, yeah. you can do that. But that's yeah. a not a serious way of doing it. No, I mean, astonishing. Yeah. I, I read that you had your own or that you make created the software for it. And I mean, that yes. must have been, I can't even imagine training. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, how did how do you even go about doing that? Oh uh, well, I wrote all the guts, and then the software company engineered it. Gotcha. So it it hasn't been updated in a while. We we update it, they update it for whenever there's a new version of Windows. It only works on Windows, or or a Windows emulator on a Mac. Yeah. But um, yeah, people have said it works really well. Wow. And Gives so, you a two two three page report. Yeah, dang, that is amazing. Yeah, and so. Um, I do want to talk about your books, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I'd love to yes. yeah, yeah, right? see me light up. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So what made you want to start writing these books? What, what was that change? You know, I, I always, I was eight years old when I got my first mystery and I always loved mystery and I always wanted to write one. Really? So, um, well, life is a mystery, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what I do is uncover the mysteries of personality. Mm. But yeah, I finally got down to starting to write in 1997, but it was another 10 years before the book actually got published, even after winning a competition. Oh, wow. You submitted, did you submit a different writing for that competition or was it? It was, that was like the first 20 pages of Poison Pen. Oh, interesting. And the, <laughs> and the, the, um, the person who judged it, who was a top agent, uh, not agent, an editor at um, Mysterious Press. She wrote in her critique that I love the characters. They're slightly over the top in a Jackie Collins sort of way. Oh, wow. It's not what I was going for, oh, but wow. I would take it. Sure. So yeah. she said, yeah, send me the manuscript. 
I sent it to her. I didn't hear back a few months go by. And I wrote and said, you know, what did you think? And she said, I didn't like the characters. And she just said she loved the characters. That's how editors are. So be um, like, send me your handwriting. <laughs> I know I should have. Huh? But eventually I had it published with a small press and they sent it out for reviews and it got a starred review in Publishers Weekly, which I oh, found wow. that was a really big deal. And it came, that brought it to the attention of an editor at Penguin. And so they bought the first four books. Oh, wow. So now, did you already have four books written at that time? No, or did they, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't even know I was writing a series. Wow. And so I, I imagine that. So you create yeah. this character. And now, did you always have, was Claudia Rose always that name? Was she always, you know, there? Or did, oh. How was the manufacturing of her? No, I, I just went through a bunch of names that I liked. And, yeah. and uh, I, that's what I get. Rose, actually, Rose is one of my middle names. Sheila oh, nice. Rose. Mary, not Rosemary, Rosemary. Yeah. Um, I guess I put that in there, but it, she's not me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 She, she's, I don't she's... like coffee. She does. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and she's this... not, a, she's not afraid of, she likes flying, oh, but really? her boyfriend is afraid of flying and oh, he's okay. a big cop. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so We're not alike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how cool that you're able to channel your experiences kind of into a character though. And kind of, I was, I was um, the psychic guy that I had met and had did a lot of readings for me way back then. Uh, I I learned when I started writing that he had 11 books published with Random House. Oh, wow. And he helped me, you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. I wrote the, the idiot's guide and the other book. And I learned that (laughs) writing fiction is, literally a very different story from nonfiction. And I bought about 40 different books that I read about writing fiction and writing mysteries because that genre has its own conventions. Sure. So it was quite a learning experience and still is. Yeah. Well, I'm sure learning about like the hero's journey and specific characters and all that stuff even helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Save the cat. Yeah. All of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I know we've been talking um, about, you know, you were approached to actually have these films or these books turned into films. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. And so, I mean, unfortunately, nothing has come about them yet, but yeah. When the zeitgeist is right. Yeah. yeah. It's not, you know, I'm not going to go putting myself out there because I am too old and there is ageism. But sure. if somebody, again, like those Two producers at different times approached me. Yeah. Fine. You know, but I mean, there's a talk. Sure. But I mean, there is a a value to having the original author attached to the films, obviously. <laughs> you know? Yes. I want to, so, I want to be an executive producer. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I mean, hopefully, I mean, we'll talk, but you know, <laughs> if we could, you know, make a trailer for one of them or make a short film out of them to be a proof of concept or something, you know, I would love to help you with that, obviously. Um, and I would love you to, of course I would absolutely, it'd be astonishing. I mean, this, this handwriting analysis, this whole thing like is fascinating stuff. And I mean, I wanted to, to, I know this podcast is film, you know, it's literally called film directing with Matt Macedo and it's film related, but I think, um, this is, you know, this could be used as a tool for an actor 
you know, someone who an actor, at least a good actor, <laughs> they, they want to embody a character fully, right? And they want to authentically kind of be this person, get rid of every kind of ounce of who they personally are, get rid of that and become this person. And I'm sure, you know, handwriting is one of those unconscious things that will never change um, when an actor becomes somebody new, obviously. Um, and so I think that's an extra layer for an actor of authenticity for them, even if there's never a shot of the writing in the movie, you know, it would only really translate to somebody like you, but it's something for the actor, maybe, you know, to, to, yeah, and especially character. if that actor is Amy Adams and Gerard yes. Butler. <laughs> Put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. You hey, want yeah. them to be in your film. Some, I've had a lot of people call me about and doing different things that didn't pan out, but there was one producer who wanted to shadow me and do a show, you know, show all the stuff that I do. It's yeah. like, and then they decided that, I guess, you know, it just wasn't quite enough. I said, what I do is not that interesting when you're doing it. The sure. results are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, for sure. Like the, yeah, the story of, of the entire, yeah situation is very fascinating i'm sure it's not very fascinating sitting there i I don't know if you have that instrument behind you that's like the actual magnifying glass that you can move yeah i don't even have that anymore but i do have a big um trinocular microscope here on my desk wow yeah fancy (laughs) yeah but But you know i mean what would be interesting what i do would not you know as a show but like for the can't talk the first book poison pen I could see Amy Adams doing all that stuff. You know, yeah. it's about somebody who's found dead in a hot tub that she knew somebody that you love to hate, who was a real evil person. And she's found and she's found with a suicide note. Apparently it says it was fun while it lasted, but her business partner believes that this was not um, her writing. And so she gets to go through all that. She gets involved in the investigation, meets a great guy who's a homicide cop. And, you know, it it could be a movie. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. And I'm so, raving on. No, absolutely not. Please. I love that you are giving, you know, the story, not away, but, you know. A well, little anybody can buy the book and read it. Exactly. Yeah. No, please do. You know, um, you gave, you told me a little bit about the, not, is it the third story? Uh, the one with um, what was the one that you were just telling me about? Not this one, but it was one of the other books. Written in Blood, the second yes, one. Yes, yes. This was the second one. Um, yeah. Say, so, I mean, you have literally like how many of these? Like, <laughs> There's, like there are eight books in that series. So eight far. books in that series. Thing. Yeah. I'm sure you don't want to, you know, go through each one, but yeah, if you can give Ooh, it yes, a let's. please. I mean, why not? Yeah, give it to oh, you. I'm, I'm happy to talk about as much or as little. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm very fascinated. So, are they? Do you have to read the first one in order to follow the storyline or you could pick up any no. book? Okay. So. No, it's only, I mean, in the first one, she meets her love interest. And in the second one, there's this 14 year old girl who, who stays in the series, but the stories all stand alone. My other series, which uh, I started, there are three books uh, and it's called the beyond the veil series. And it's paranormal about a young woman who well the first one oh that would make a great movie the amnesia story it's Ooh, called what she saw one. yeah tell me about that one this young woman wakes up on a train pulling into ventura station 
realizes that she doesn't know who she is, where she's been, where she's going. And she gets off the train in Ventura and starts walking into town. All she knows is that she can't call the police. And she runs into this guy who apparently knows her and takes her to her apartment where she finds two sets of keys, two IDs, and she doesn't know why. Hmm. Wow. Do love mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> there is a power about mystery, you know, of wanting to need to know what's next, our desire of needing to know the answer to things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In the second and third books, which is five years after the first one, she's now communicating with people on the other side spirit yeah well love that <laughs> that skull experiment was really fascinating to to know yes yeah, so manifestations and stuff yeah your whole video about you know you you did you talked about automated writing and automatic writing, yeah. automatic writing yes and all of that yeah it's very fascinating yeah. stuff Autom for anybody who doesn't know automatic writing it can be a lot of different things but the way that i was thinking of it was you have you're holding a pen and spirit starts moving your hand i don't do that I do know people who do, or it can be the keyboard. It doesn't have to be a pen, but in many cases it is, or it can be inspired writing, yeah. hearing voices from spirit. Sure. I know a lot of people would, you know, they get scared of thinking about that kind of stuff, <laughs> which is yeah. Really, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I was scared of it for most of my life. Yeah. No, for yeah sure. But my daughter, when my daughter was killed, I wanted to know what happens. So uh, what I learned, put away the fears. Yeah. There is no death. Yeah. I'll have to show you some pictures of her that I have from the other side. Oh, wow. Really? That's another whole subject. That could be a whole other, <laughs> whole other podcast on its own. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. Well, I feel like I have taken enough of your time this evening i don't know what time it is now like probably like 5 30 yeah. i've had you for like two and a half hours well we it's chat fun it has been fun it's been so epic like i knew that this episode was going to be just a powerhouse of information and just fascinating stuff and it definitely was i think this is the longest podcast that i've recorded for sure oh, also no. yeah i feel uh, honored definitely. yeah well i do i highly encourage any of my friends to reach out to you if they want any of your services, whether they're business owners, they, you know, if you want to look at, you know, hire Sheila to you know, look at the employees handwriting before you make yeah. a decision because they might blow up. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's easy to find me because my website is just my name, SheilaLow.com, but it's S-H-E-I-L-A. Everybody spells that wrong. And then my other, I have another site, SheilaLowBooks.com. Okay. And then that way everybody can get your books. Um, they can friend you on Instagram. They could subscribe yeah. to your YouTube channel. Um, yes, I highly recommend anybody that is curious about this to look into it. You know, are there any books that you recommend to somebody that if they wanted to try to <laughs> besides <laughs> <yours>? mine, <laughs> well, yours literally <laughs> about yeah, yeah. So reading between the lines by Sheila Lowe. Perfect. It's reading between the lines, decoding handwriting, and then for anybody who after it, it's like a it's like a complete little basic course. Okay. I think I sent you a copy, did I? I believe you did. Now it was more so like no, I think I it said, points out I the said, personality traits more yeah, so, right? Exactly. Okay. But the, but the one after that is advanced studies in handwriting 
which you know is for people who are really interested. And it's got a chapter on serial killers and childhood sexual abuse and addictive personality and that kind of thing. And then there's another one on personality disorders and um, others. So, yeah. Just a plethora of information. I don't know if I recorded this, uh, but we talked about um, in professions how we probably talked about this before I hit record, but I wanted to bring it up just in case we didn't. Um, the doctors or surgeons having <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> similar handwriting to serial killers. <laughs> Some of them do. Yeah. That yeah blew my mind when you said that. But but I, and I've got hundreds of samples of doctors' handwritings. So I mean that's we're not going to make that generalization. Exactly. Yeah. But sometimes that is true of surgeons. Mm. Cut. Yeah. But you know doctors often get a bad rap. Many of the doctors' handwritings in my collection are really nice. That is true too. Yeah, director handwriting or or doctor handwriting. But I was going to say even director handwriting. Director handwriting. Always writing so quickly. Yeah. 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 It's hilarious. Cool. Well, thank you, Sheila, so much for coming on the podcast and thank spending you. your two and a half hours with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do I you have? It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have an Instagram or are you just mainly on Facebook? Yes, I okay. Do. Okay, so I think yeah, I I think I started following you, but I'll tag you on Instagram. I'll post all your links. And the truth is, I don't go there very often. I know I should, but yeah, you know, I do have Instagram and Twitter. Never look at it. All those good social media sites. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Alrighty, Sheila. Well, thank you so much for thank coming you. on. Yeah, and I hope some good things come from this episode. Either you start to get a lot more clients, or something with your a lot more book purchases. Books. Yes, book, book, books. Yes, buy her books. Eight million <laughs> books. That's my goal. Oh yeah, a million books. Are you far away from eight that? Million. Oh, eight, eight million. Yeah, eight million. Wow. So you've already well passed a million, then, aren't you? You're well past five. Uh, I'm probably close to that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Dang. Well, let's hope. I mean, I probably have like an average of like fifty listeners, <laughs> and well, so hopefully you get one or two purchases out of that. They'll build up. Yes, absolutely. I hope so. In both our case. Alrighty. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Alrighty. Have a good day. Be well.